Welcome everyone to the next episode of the Send Dog Nutrition Podcast. You're with your host Brian and Dr. Lena today. We're going to talk about is your collar hurting your dog? And we're going to discuss ways to use the collar safely and correctly to help minimize the pressure of that surrounding anatomy, but also to help the dog's overall health. And we'll also go through alternatives to this like harnesses and to use it in a safe way. How are you, Dr. Lena? I'm very well. Thank you, Brian. Thank you for having me. So today's podcast is going to highlight something that seems so simple, a dog collar, but the way it can be put on incorrectly or misfitted, but then also we'll go through strategies to help the dog cope with any of that pressure through that anatomy area. And Dr. Lena has a few tips around this too. So Brian, um, a dog's collar, everybody basically uses a collar when they have a dog. I think... um, and you know it's a very common tool sort of to use to control a dog in a, an environment where you don't want it to run off so you have the collar and the lead so you can stop the dog from running away and um, it's used just for walking it's just all this you know really basic everyday things we use it for but one thing that is frequently forgotten and that I see all the time when people walk their dogs and I either drive past or walk pass with my boys is the pressure the collar puts on the neck and there's different ways that you can avoid getting your dog harmed in the process so what you want to look for is first most important thing is don't let your dog pull on a collar yeah it's basically rule number one and to teach your dog to walk on a loose leash and not to Um, jump into the lead and really you know the impact when they jump to the end of the lead and hurt themselves because when we look at the anatomy of the dog's neck what the collar is pulling on the structures are quite vital so the first thing that you want to look for is your windpipe Um, breathing is sort of somewhat vital Mm, yeah Yeah. (laughs) and if you put constant pressure on the neck there it restricts, uh, can restrict the air f- uh, airflow when the dog is pulling too hard. And I see dogs on a regular basis when they are pulling, they're pulling so hard that their um, tongue goes purple. And obviously that'll then reduce the oxygen intake and the um, dogs don't have enough oxygen to their brains. So that is no good because, you know, brain is another really vital part to the body. So mm. we don't want to impact that too much. But then also the other structures that you have around the neck is um, your arteries that go to the head and brain. And if you restrict them, again, you have an impact on oxygenation of the brain and the blood flow through the head and neck. And then you have your thyroid, which gets bruised. And you can actually, um, in some studies, they've shown that they can see damage to the thyroid and they Mm. might relate they're not 100% true yet, but some um, thyroid changes or thyroid cancers to constant pressure on the collar. Yeah, well, so over a longer period, like a chronic, over a longer period of time. So tightness. you know, don't don't freak out if your dog ends up having a pull on the collar once, but if it's constant every day and they keep pulling on the lead, you know, the typical dog that mm. is at the end of the lead and pulling constantly over time, it'll cause um, pressure to all the soft tissue, but then also because you've got your spine there. People say, oh, dogs are different to people. You can keep pulling on the collar and it doesn't cause some damage to the spine. Well, it's actually incorrect. It actually does damage to the spine, but because we don't know enough yet and the um, biomechanical medicine and the way we look at things is really in its infancy still, 
we don't we haven't taken that into consideration through the veterinary medicine for a long period of time but the more we look at things even your conventional vet will say if you have a disc problem in the neck don't use a collar use a harness mm. to take the pressure off the neck but you can even create problems with your discs um, and your spinal cord and things uh, and your whole spinal column in the neck if you constantly have that pressure there because the muscles and everything locks up to try and stabilize it and the dogs really it, it, it'll cause some damage long term so you it's one of the things that you need to um, have I always prefer a wider collar so not a really thin one and then yeah just don't let your dogs pull again if you know if they pull once yeah okay but if they keep pulling you can do real damage and one of the things that I really hate to see is people using um, check chains or really thin collars like they do in the show ring and put it really high up on the neck right basically behind the jaw mm. and that puts a lot of pressure again not only on our blood supply but also on the larynx and you do a lot of damage there and also at the back of the neck and the atlas and things where that's a really delicate area of the head and neck that you don't want to put too much pressure on and people you can use the collar that kind of collar and a show ring in a nice way you don't need a lot of pressure on it and still make the dog look good but if you pull them up almost off the ground i see uh, sometimes i see that people almost pull their dogs off the ground with that that's really uncomfortable you can suffocate a dog like that obviously not over a short period of time but over a long period of time it really does damage mm. and it sort of leads me to the question if it is hurting that neck region or the discs there, that's going to have a flow-on effect with their limb movement and the nerve? A hundred percent, yeah, because if you have, see, the um, leg movement is determined by your nervous signals, right? So um, the signals come from the brain, go um, and tell basically the legs what they should do and how they should move. So whether you're walking, you're trotting, you're running really fast, or whether you're on even or uneven ground, the legs give the information to the spinal cord and the brain. and um, they in turn send information back how to react to that. If the signals are blocked, say for example, through the collar, through the pressure, then it slows down the signals. And if the signals are slower, then the dog doesn't really know where it is in space anymore, but it also changes their biomechanics. And if you look at the way um, a dog moves and where the lungs sit, if they get too tight around their shoulder girdle because they have pressure on their neck all the time, then it can also change their breathing. Wow. And that in turn then affects everything else. So, you know, if you don't breathe as deeply, you don't use your lungs, then it'll help um, or it, it'll reduce the oxygenation of the blood. So your um, oxygen saturation might not be optimal all the time, which not short term, but over a long period of time, then reduces your tissue health and basically the whole dog's health is compromised. Yeah, wow. So there's a massive flow on effect from just a simple thing like a collar. Yeah, and, exactly. And the way the the and the way the dog is trained and it it its ability to cope in those pressures, even like walking around the neighborhood or, or in the show ring like that. So does it come down to management of the dog's temperament and the training? Oh, it's just training, Brian. Yeah. It's so easy to train a dog to, to walk off, like on a loose leash or off lead. And um, a lot of people don't know how easy it really is. If you teach a puppy the right way straight away, then you can have a dog that's walking on a loose leash at 10 weeks. Yeah, well. 
So it's not something, you know, they don't need a lot of reminders and stuff. It's just normal for them not to pull, but it also gets really quickly normal for them to pull. So if you let them get away with it, then they only need a few repetitions and they know, oh, if I pull really hard, I get to that smell faster. Or if I pull really hard, I get to the other dog faster or something. And then they learn that this is what gives me success. Mm-hmm. But it can also create aggression because if they have constant pain on their neck and that pain they might associate with seeing another dog because every time they see another dog they pull and it hurts, that might lead to aggression because they then link the um, pain of the neck with the other dogs and that can lead to leash aggression. So you have to be a little bit careful with these things. So it's not just that, yeah, it's an annoying thing, your dog is pulling on a lead. It has a lot of flow on effect. I can't help but think when a dog is that small or when a dog is that young, like the bone is changing and remodeling if that has an impact in terms of if your puppy is pulling like that and you can't get it out of the habit it's going to do a lot of damage at a young age to the structure well i see it in my everyday work that i know straight away when i put my hands on the dogs whether they pull on the lead or not or not but there's not a lot of research that i know of um the impact of a growing dog on the on the neck um, region that Um, has been done but I don't doubt that there will be something like that because I see it in my like my clinical experience says yes there's definitely a flow and effect there and you can link it to um, problems in the head and neck region and also through the shoulder girdle and then as a flow and effect onto the back end and through the back of the spine and stuff because then they compensate and they offload um, and change their biomechanics and change the way they use themselves and that then has a um, flow and effect on the whole dog's health so for example if they don't put the weight through their shoulders and their elbows correctly while they're growing they can change the alignment of the joint because the joints are not fused yet and that can cause things long term like elbow dysplasia or arthritis in some joints and then you know you already have a dog that's been set up incorrectly when they're young and then it's really hard to change it when they get older. So with owners who have got a new puppy or has a has a young dog, so this is probably one of the one of the first things on a checklist of looking after a dog that they need to get right. Oh definitely, I think it's one of the most important things because you want to why do you get a dog is because well most people I know is to have a companion maybe to exercise with and um, for their kids to play with but if you can have a dog that's walking easily um, on a loose leash it's easier to take places so you can give the dog more freedom in taking it because you know it might be no problem for it to walk through a lot of um, dogs you know where there are a lot of um, people or kids playing or something it if it's learned not to pull on a lead it's a pleasure to have it around if it's always pulling at the end of the lead and it's just it's annoying apart from all the health reasons and mm. then we end up maybe not taking it because it's too much work and then the dog gets locked up in the backyard when we're away and it's sort of not really the point where we get it so i would always recommend people who get a puppy go to a puppy school get people to teach you how to loosely walk and if it's not working really quickly it needs to work really quickly in puppies if it's not you don't have the right trainer or the right training that suits you and the dog. So go and look somewhere else. Yeah, that's fantastic advice. And is there any other ways or alternatives to a collar that we should be looking at in terms of even in performance dogs? Oh, look, there's always alternatives. So um, 
my number one rule is regardless of what um, gear you use on the dog, always teach it not to pull. Yeah. But you can of course also use, um, say, a harness. A harness needs to be fitted correctly though, just if you go um, into Woolies or in a pet food shop or something and they have the harnesses, you'll see that there are different ways a harness can sit on a dog and some harnesses will restrict the movement of the shoulders. So if you just have like a um, bit of fabric going across their shoulders, straight across, then it stops the shoulder joints and the front legs from extending. And that again changes the way the dog can use itself. It doesn't pull on the neck as much, but it does damage through that area. So you want something that goes through the center and the pressure goes on the sternum and that sits further back. So it doesn't, the harness doesn't come around straight away behind the legs, but sits a little bit further back on the rib cage. So they have the freedom of movement. Yeah, well. And these harnesses you usually don't get in a pet food shop, unfortunately, and they are not as commonly used as the ones that go straight across the chest. And you again, you need you know a little bit of an idea of how to fit it. If you're in doubt, ask your dog trainer or look at some videos how to fit a harness correctly. YouTube has gazillions of videos there, eh? mm. and um, look for freedom of movement and things like that because the harnesses are obviously meant for dogs to pull. If they're fitted correctly, you can pull, like sled dogs will pull all day on a harness. But if you don't teach your dog to pull correctly and have it fit enough to do so, if it pulls at the end of the lead and the harness is either fitted incorrectly, even if it's fitted correctly, but the dog doesn't know how to pull, it can still do damage. So um, it'll change the way it's moving itself. It um, locks up through the spine because it gets so tight from putting the pressure on it. You know, digs mm. all four feet in the ground trying to get off to go and meet another dog or, you know, chase a push bike rider or something like that. It puts a lot of pressure on its body. So again, best way is not to get them to pull. If a dog really tends to pull a lot and you don't want to use a collar, I like the ones where you clip the lead on in front of the harness and you actually, when the dog pulls, you turn the dog into yourself. Mm. That changes the dog's focus so they don't actually get away with pulling you somewhere, but if they pull, they actually pull themselves into you. That works in a lot of cases, but it doesn't always work. And then you have the alternative of a head halter or a halty, which I really am not a big fan of because you can do a lot of damage in the neck part in the well both in the neck but also around the face yeah so you have a lot of nerves coming through from the brain into the lips and the nose and the teeth and stuff and if you put pressure on that area with a head halter it can do damage in that area but then also because it goes up right behind the ears where your atlas sits so that's the first vertebra of the spine and it's a really delicate area there so if you put a lot of pressure on it and with a halter, you usually pull sideways. And as a rotational pull on that area is really, as a chiropractor, it makes you cringe. Mm. And um, a lot of people don't teach dogs to accept the halter in the right way. So they're constantly trying to pull them off and they're not trying to use them correctly. So it's, it's not ideal. I really don't like using them. I think teach your dog to either walk on a collar or on a harness properly and then don't use all the head stuff. But um, at the end of the day, it's just a matter of training. And if a halty can be used safely, if the dog knows how not to pull on it. Yeah, no, that's fantastic advice. And I think we'll have some YouTube videos released about 
the collar adjustments and how to use a collar. Mm -hmm. Yes, we'll try and get some information out there, uh, visual, because it's always hard when you try and explain <laughs> what I'm trying to talk about. We'll try and get it on the on the camera so you can see what I'm actually trying to say. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we have to use our imagination at yeah. the moment. But I, I hope that sort of helps people look at this and, and highlights the fact of how important using a collar is in the day-to-day -day activity of a dog and the, and the impact to their health. Yeah, and probably how important it is. Um, people just use it as an everyday tool without thinking about the impact it can have on the dog. So just teach your dog to walk on a loose yeah. leash, not to pull on the collar and um, to use it correctly. I mean, there's nothing much to a collar. You know, you know, it's fairly easy to put it over the dog's neck and do the buckle up. But there's a bit more to it when you use it incorrectly, how it can impact the dog and it can have a huge impact. Yeah, so that, that about wraps that subject up today. And yeah, we'll have another podcast to you very shortly and keep reaching out on our, our Send Natural Dog Nutrition group on Facebook. There's a hive activity. Also Instagram, we're really loving all the sharing and, and everyone getting the results with our products. And yeah, Dr. Lena's been a great asset as well to the company in terms of giving people that education for various subjects around dogs and, and helping you improve their overall health. So thanks, Dr. Lena. Thank you, Brian. Thank you for having me.